how to study the Bible. And it's very important and expedient for us to grow in the knowledge of the word of God. Amen. So, we've been touching on different aspects of Bible study. And tonight we are going to go deeper into it. Last, we've talked about devotional Bible study, and um, which its aim is to meet with who? When you are doing devotional study, what, what, what is the aim? Uh, what is the aim of devotional Bible study? Get your notes, everybody. Let's get our notes out. Important for us to bring out our notes. I hope you have your notes. You have your concordance. You have um, your concordance, your Bible dictionary, encyclopedia on every table. So we make sure that um, it's important that we have all this sorted out tonight. Hallelujah. So devotional Bible study, the aim is to meet with God, right? You do devotional Bible study because you want to meet with the Lord. You want fresh insight, fresh revelation of God. You want to be able to draw nearer to God. Amen. Then when you do Bible study itself, the aim of studying the Bible is to grow in your knowledge of the word of God. You want to grow in the knowledge of the word of God. Amen. So last week, we then moved to another type of Bible study, which is topical Bible study. Am I right? Topical Bible study. Now, um, I explained to you what topical Bible study is. Um, the goal of topical Bible study is to understand what the Bible or part of it teaches about a particular subject. So whenever you say you want to study, you are doing topical Bible study, and the aim is that you want to understand what the Bible teaches about a particular what? Subject. It can be a subject of faith, healing, miracle, giving, generosity, any subject. So if that is what you want to know, then topical Bible study is your go-to. All right? Now, when you are doing topical Bible study, one of the things I, I also explained to you, in fact, somebody actually said that that actually helped to solve um, the problem because a lot of time people think that when you are doing topical Bible study, you have to search the old Bible. And that is not the case. When you are doing topical Bible study, um, the aim is not to search the entire Bible because that can take you eternity. So you can imagine if you want to study on the subject of God from Genesis to Revelation, I tell you, you'll be so shocked that it can take you many years because first, you see God as Adonai and then the same God in some places is Elohim and which is the plural of God in fact, Elohim is the pluralization of God, which means it's like saying gods. All right? But in the Old Testament, they, don't, they were not able to comprehend that. In fact, the revelation of Elohim is that he's actually the triune God, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But, you know, they are not able to, because 
in the days of the early Jews or the Hebrews, Israel was surrounded with so much idolatry that they don't want to hear anything about three in one God. Because they know that every other country or nation always talk about gods. God of iron, God of the So Israel just want one God. So when the Bible says that the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, you know, they are not able to see the revelation that it is a God came to Ezekiel. He said the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. It's a revelation that the word is a person. But that revelation, so is not revealed to them. They were not able to comprehend it until Jesus came. So there are times you read in the, in the Old Testament, anytime you hear things like the word of the Lord came, it, it is saying something. Or the spirit of the Lord said, thus says the spirit of the Lord. So, but to the, to the Old Testament folks, they just want to understand that God is one. So the, the revelation of the triune God is not revealed to them. But yet, when you look at the Old Testament, you will see the revelation of the triune God there. So when you want to study on the subject of God, for instance, now it will take you the whole. <laughs> In fact, I don't know how many years that can take you. So that is why you must know that there are two ways to go about your topical study. Exhaustive and the other one is what? Two types of topical Bible study. How to approach a topical Bible study. What are the two ways? Exhaustive and what? Selective. Exhaustive. What's the aim of exhaustive? Of course, when you hear exhaustive, that means everything that there is to it. Comprehensive study. You want to know everything that there is to it. What about selective? Selective that you want to use a particular book or passage to study that topic or on that subject. So you are not using the entire Bible. You are using a particular passage of the Bible or book of the Bible as it may be. Alright, so then I went on to explain to you how you should go about doing a topical study of the Bible. And I give you four steps to follow. Alright, the first one is what? I'm not going to talk too much. I want you to, I'm doing revision. So look into your notes and reply. Those of you who are joining online, you are welcome. We are doing Bible study together. All right? So the first step is what? On how to do topical Bible study. The first step is what? Find all the what? Passages on the topic. Fantastic. You'll find the passages. And which Bible software can you use? Or what Bible materials can you use to find which Bible software have those of you who did it last week because today we are we are going to be recapping what we did last week Bible concordance strong concordance of the Bible yes what, what other softwares are very good Takata can help you yes which other one Bible up can help you yes that one requires internet yes which other one which one did you use on your table last week? Tecata. Has anybody tried Esod? 
So you don't like electronic sword. You like the physical sword. <laughs> okay. His sword is good too. BLB, man in blue. You've not used BLB to search. Uh, you've not. You should. You should. You should. All right. So then examine each reference in what? Contest. Examine each reference in contest. So last week, we, when we studied on the subject of angels, you see, you have to examine each contest of where that word come in, came out of in contest. Because that is how it will help you know the full essence of weight or meaning of what you are studying. So, for instance, as you keep examining angels in different contests, it will help you understand the ministry of angels, the roles angels play, functions of angels. For instance, when, when you look at it in Acts chapter uh, 1, do you realize that they, they just came to deliver a message? But in other places, you realize that they are more than that. You know, when they talk about, and the face was like the face of an angel. What does that mean? So you have to understand it in context. In context. So when the Bible says that, and the face was that, like, like that of an angel, is, that means that angel is not coming to develop, to, to what, what is it called? To develop a, uh, deliver a message. But if I say his face is like that of an angel, it's telling you something that there is a way the face of an angel looks. So you then have to imagine, okay, this one is not talking about angel in terms of delivery message, but rather that angels, then you have to understand, for instance, now, read the remaining context, then you get what it's meaning because it's now using a figure of speech, all right? Then it helps you know, okay, maybe brightness. So you then know that, okay, if somebody then this helps you to tell, how does angel look? Okay, angels have bright countenance. It's very important to understand this. I will give you why. A man of God one day was believing God for more of Jesus. Then he said he, he, he slept. Then he had a vision. When he had this vision, he saw like the dream or the vision of Jacob being replayed. Heavens opened. Ladders came down from heaven. Then he saw angels on the right and on the left. They were holding trumpets. Then he saw Jesus coming through the ladder and the angels were blowing the trumpet and Jesus was coming. You see, all these are in the Bible. But then when Jesus got to him, he was, not, he was, so, he was so shocked and in awe. Then, as Jesus got there, he bowed his head. Just as he bowed his head to, to begin to worship, then the scripture just came to him and his garment was as glistering, white and glistering. So he looked at the white this time around, that the white Jesus was wearing was not glistering, was a very dull white. But it, it, that scripture just came white and glistering because anywhere you see the garment of Jesus mentioned in the Bible is always glittering. So immediately with that awareness, he just looked up. And do you know, the face of Jesus, that Jesus had changed, and it was actually Lucifer himself. It was Lucifer himself. It was the devil. So you see, if he had no awareness of the Bible, he would have just kept worshipping him, then he would have given him a message, then disappear. He will come out of that vision, 
and he will have become another kind of man of God because he will, he will have been so convinced that he got a supernatural message. But the message will have caused an havoc for him just because he was not ignorant, he was not knowledgeable, he was ignorant of the word of God. The word of God has answers to all. God will not contradict his word. That is why. You know, some of us, we have different dreams, different visions. If you don't understand all the scriptures, found that found, we have gone back to the basis. What I'm doing may not be exciting to so many, may not be this, but these are the foundation of a solid Christian, of a good Christian, if you want to know more of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Okay, so you, that is that. So examine each reference in context. Then number three, classify references into what? Categories. And what does that? I explained this to you, right? So when I say classify each reference into category, all right? Also, you have to learn to group your references together. Group your references together. You have to learn to group your references together. Or, okay, so... Um, you group them in different categories. Uh, like the one we are studying last week I, um, in the book of Acts, you know, there are special categories that define the roles of angels that angels play. But I don't really want to go to that because that's supposed to be an assignment for us. Then, summarize the main principles. You summarize the main principles. What are the principles that you have learned from it? Uh, you can say one of the principles that angels are messengers. Angels come to defend. Angels obey the voice of God. These are lifetime principles. Principles are eternal. All right? Another way of saying principle is that somebody can ask you, what are the theological principles? What is, are the uh, eternal principles that you can learn from that particular passage? Amen. Now, there is something I want to teach you before we, we are going to finalize. So, with respect to our topical study of the Bible, we did Acts last week. So, we are going to add an additional passage of the Bible to read today, which is the book of Matthew. All right. Abba Emmanuel H.E. Stop disturbing our Starlink. All right. Some people are trying to hack into our uh, accounts. Okay, and they don't want to subscribe. They are looking for free internet. That's why I'm calling you out on social media. <laughs> Praise God. I know we have a lot of IT guys in church. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, so um, I'm going to give you something that further that we strengthen. So we are adding Matthew to our study. So we have Acts. So we are going to do further study, adding Matthew to you, so that you can come to a wholesome conclusion on the ministry of angels. Okay, you can come to a wholesome conclusion on the ministry of angels. Now, before we do that tonight, I want to quickly share with you also on what we call Bible genres. Bible genres. All right? Because you need to understand the various Bible genres. It will help you when you are studying your Bible. All right? Now, those of us who have been doing our joining royal discipleship cells, you realize that about two weeks ago, we did um, the subject on the Bible study there, on, on the subject of the Bible, what it is and the rest. But towards the end, the, 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 um, the presenter just spoke about three different types of Bible genres. But I said, oh, so I figured out that I need to actually explain to you what are Bible genres and how to be able to know how the kind of effects that Bible genres as on your study. 
So, um, literature students, of course, will know what a genre is. Am I pronouncing it well? Is it genre or genre or genes? Genre. Okay, good. What is a genre? It's a, it's a category or type of art, literature or music. So, you see, art, literature, and music are grouped into different genres. All right? And um, what it simply means, when we say we have different genres, is that we are talking about style, form, or content. Style, form, or content. So, in terms of music, in terms of literature, in terms of, um, in terms of art, there are different types. They categorize them into different genres. And um, what a genre actually means is that it means that there's a particular style, form, or content that that music so when I'm talking about different music genres, I'm talking about different music styles, content, or forms. Let me help you to understand what I'm saying. So for instance, um, in Nigeria, we have the, or in Africa, we have Makosa, for instance. Makosa is a type of music genre. So when you hear things like, kan, 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 kan. Instantly, you know, it, it tells you that this is, is, a, is a style of music, right? It's a form of music. It is, is a genre on its own. So it will be very hard for you to hear. And you know, even when we're young, the way you dance to that one is different. Am I right? You see, um, I remember when we were young, one of the, um, the popular where we are Willows and all those guys. So you see us doing our hands like this. You know, I don't know whether some of you remember the older generation. Because even the way you dance to them is different. You keep moving to the front and you keep moving to the back. You keep moving to the front. But it's very hard for you to hear Makosa and you hear somebody say, Yeah, what? Yo, 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 yo. I want to talk to you. No, no. It's like, no. What are you? What are you trying to do? Because for you, that style or that form, all right, is hip-hop, right? So you will not be surprised if you hear someone say, I'm good. My, my music genre is hip-hop. I love hip-hop. So when I say hip-hop, so you don't expect to begin to hear, you know, you don't expect that in hip-hop. So hip-hop is another form or style, all right? Then if you then come, then you hear in, um, in Nigeria, what are keyboardists? Help me. What are the other genres you have in music styles? R&B. R&B is the slow one, right? It's the slow one. Okay, so R&B. So you have the R&B genre. Then there's... No, no, Nigeria, Nigeria. Reggae. We have reggae. And one more. Rastafarian. Ja. Okay, uh -huh. If you hear that, what have you what 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 do you what comes to your mind? Yo man, yo man, yo man. man. So what comes to your mind? Reggae, right? Good. But if you also hear which are all these Afro beats. Afro beats. Uh, you know, so all this, and uh, if you also hear is either this guy is either into Fuji or Apala or this. Do you understand? Now, I have said all that to let you know that actually Bible also has different genres. So if you want to understand the Bible, 
Anytime you pick up a book of the Bible, because Bible is a collection of books. It's a collection of, that's why it's called Bible. The Latin is Biblia, which is a like collection of library or collection of different books. So Bible is not one book. Bible is a collection of books. So now, each author and um, each book has its own genre. So you cannot mix them up. Just as you will not mix hip-hop with um, Fuji, or you cannot mix Fuji with uh, Makosa. You understand? Even though you may try to come up with something in between, but Makosa remains Makosa. So you must understand that anytime you open the Bible, ask yourself, what genre am I reading? What is the genre of this book? Because you see, understanding that genre helps you on how you should study it. And when you see some things, it will also help you to understand it better. Because the genre determines what the author is communicating. So in the Bible, there are six major genres of the Bible. About six major of them. Literature genres of the Bible. Number one is narrative genres. Genre is spelled G-E-N-R-E. Narrative. So we have the narrative one. So narrative includes historical accounts of events. So historical accounts of events, people, and places. Historical accounts of events, people, and places. So for instance, um, let me say this now. Something happened at your place of work, or somebody meets you and say, hey, um, Sister Janet, can you tell me what happened in church last Sunday? Say, so, ah, you want me to tell you what happened in church last Sunday? Now, recollect that the moment you hear, tell me what happened last Sunday, automatically what you, she's saying to you, you will not read so many meanings to it. Because she's actually telling you, she's narrating what happened last Sunday to you. That is narrative. Now, listen to me. Narrative then means, how do you understand what I'm trying to say? So, if she then says that, so last Sunday, um, the choir sang. In, I came to church by 6 o'clock. Then, once I, I was in church by 6 o'clock, by 6.30, all right, we had our workers meeting. After workers meeting, I'm, I'm showing you how to study Bible, how to understand the effect of genres on your study. But what, so I'm narrating what took place last Sunday. I'm talking about narrative genre now. So after 6.30, we finished the worker service by, um, by 7.30. Then this service started. The choir came to minister, and um, the second service started. It rained a bit, but it stopped. So, and at the end of the day, um, the service started, and uh, we joined, and we all went home. Now, that's narrative. When you are reading a narrative, don't read too many meaning to words. So, it is not in narrative you want to go and do word study. It will confuse you. Why? Because when she said at 6 o'clock, then 6.30, then you, you want to know what is the meaning of 6 o'clock? What is the meaning of 6.30? This is where a lot of people go air in their Bible study because they first did not understand the genre that what I am reading is a narrative account. So every word that this writer is using here is just to help communicate that event that took place in their time. 
So now when I say at six, between 6 o'clock and 6.30, you are not going to do what study on. What is 6 o'clock in the context of this? What is 6.30? Then, then the choir, what is choir? You know, no. So, Jera, you enjoy it. You can just find out the, the basic English meaning of those words, but don't start doing deep grammar. Uh, Hebrew test of this, Greek test of this. You are, you are actually reading an historical account. That is not the place of deep study. Hope you understand that. So there is a so yes, you 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 read general to gain knowledge, to gain information, to know more about events or places. But that is not places for deep word study, lexical. No, it's, you don't use general uh, 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 books of, that are generous for that. So what are the generous? Uh, I said I said I mean narrative general. Sorry, narrative. You don't use narrative for that. Because narrative is just telling you an account of what has taken place. All right? Yes, you can draw inspiration from word study there. I am not ruling that out. Often, but that should not be the main focus. Enjoy it first. Then if you are now going to do word study in a general, you take it in the larger context. Of, so you have to do that word study in the context of, first and foremost, in the context of that particular Event, book. Let me give you an understand what I'm trying to say. So, if I say again that so at six o'clock we open um, the the meeting, then after service we had our cleft meeting. Aha, uh -huh. cleft meeting. Now, if you are we in this church, if you are a member, you may not. Or if you are in, if you are not a worker or a shepherd in church, you may not understand the word cleft. But I've just said that after service we had cleft meeting. Now, you are going to look for English meaning of cleft. What you will get, yes, will be meaning, but you know, you will be misled. Because for every worker, every shepherd, every person in this church, we understand that cleft means co-laborer eating and fellowshipping time. That is what we call. It's a time people we spend with pastors just to eat together, socialize together after service or something. But you are going to do Deep word study on cleft. You can easily go the other way because, in the context of that narrative, cleft simply means what it means. Do you understand what I'm saying? It, it, it cannot mean two things. When I, when I use cleft in that context, it can only mean what? One thing, which is what it meant when I said it. But so you have to understand what does that word mean in that context. Of that event. So if you are going to do word study, if you really do not want to err, and you know that, okay, I am doing a word study using a narrative genre, the first thing that must always come to your mind that this word I want to study, what does it mean in the context of that word, event, or that narrative, or that narration that it was used? That is the basis. That's the first place to start. It cannot mean two things. It can only mean one. It can only mean one. And you have to, it's your duty to then find out what it means in that context. I hope you've understood that. Oh, are you, are you, have you gone home? So you have gone home, eh? Okay, good. Number two, the second genre is poetry. Poetry. So we have narrative genres of the Bible, passages or books. Then the poetry. Poetry is for poem. Poem. Now, this one is very important. The poetic books of the Bible, 
Let me first give you to them. Let me give them to you. Books like Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Songs of Solomon. Not all Proverbs. In fact, let me help you with the area of Proverbs. Because Proverbs are in two. We have the poetic part of Proverbs and the wisdom part of Proverbs. In the book of Proverbs, the poetic ones are Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22 to 31. Proverbs 8, 22 to 31. Proverbs 31, 10 to 31. The one that spoke about the virtuous woman and the rest. Proverbs 8, 22 to 31 spoke, spoke about wisdom as a woman um, that is with God at the beginning. So if you read Proverbs 8, 22, you realize I was just describing wisdom as a woman that was with God at the beginning. She's this. So he's using she, she, ah, ah, she, she, ah. It's poem. It's a poetic writing. Then Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13 to 18 also began to use, compare wisdom again to treasure, invaluable treasure. The same thing with Proverbs 4, 7 to 9. You see that about if you find her in, in she's life, she, to those who find her um, uh, prosperity to them, you know, that is using, those are poetic words. Then Proverbs 6, 16 to 19. Proverbs 6, 16 to 19. All right. Now, Poetic uh, or, uh, passages of the Bible, how you know them that they use a lot of figure of speech, a lot of figure of speech, imageries. So you see, for instance, in Psalms, uh, you, you see the devil say, uh, I said devil, uh, the psalmist says something like, um, Thou, O Lord, art a shield, you are a buckler, you are a rock of refuge. You see, those are figure of speech he's using. They are, some of them are metaphors, allegories. So it is your duty when you are actually going through poetic passages. Don't read so many meaning to some of those images. Don't so that you don't go and call God that God is ego. He's just using ego as a figure of speech. Just as somebody will say that, oh, when you are the only cockroach in my cupboard. Does that mean that he's calling me cockroach? The only sugar. In my tea. Is that not what we say? Yeah, people say that. The only sugar in my tea. The only what again? Butter the butter in my bread. Does that mean it's calling me butter? But he's just trying to say, when I say you are the butter in my bread, what are, what are, what are, what are you trying to say? What, what does that really mean? Because I've not really thought about it. Let's talk about, why say somebody's butter in your bread? Some of you have said, said that before. What, what does that mean? Who can help us? What does it mean? Butter in my bread. <laughs> It's harmony. Harmonious to you. Ah, oh, okay. Just as the bread, the way butter cooperates with the bread. Oh, my God. And especially when the bread is hot. It then melts the bread. So, the, so when you say you are, you are the butter in my bread, you are talking about harmony. Okay. That is his own context. What are, what are, what? So you can see that also those things in different contexts can mean different things. That is why you need to understand when you are reading poetic words. For instance, um, um, in, um, uh, in, I think in Brazil, in Brazil, if um, you do something like, um, I think there's a sign that we normally do just, no, when you do like this, like this, yes, like this in Brazil. You don't do this in Brazil. You don't point in Brazil. When you keep pointing like this in Brazil, 
All right, go and find out. It means you are doing something bad to somebody's relative. This sign. So if you go to Brazil, next time when you go to Brazil, whatever you do, don't do this. Because they can say, what you are trying to say to them, I'm doing something bad to your family member. That's what it means. Just by pointing. But in Nigeria, it doesn't mean that. All right? So different things. So you must understand, what does this figure of speech mean in that in that particular passage, what does the rock on which I stand? You have brought me out of the miry clay and set my feet on the rock to stay. What does this figure of speech mean? So you need to investigate. And which Bible tool will help you understand that? Your Bible dictionary and encyclopedia. Those are your go-to. So if what you are studying now are poetic passages... All right, then you know that you need not a concordance now. You will need your Bible dictionary and what? Encyclopedia. They are the ones that will help you interpret those figures of speech that you are reading so that you can, you can actually understand them more. All right? The third one is prophecy. So different Bible genres. So we have narratives. We have what? Poetry. We then have prophecy, the prophetic genre. All right? The prophetic books are divided into major prophets and minor prophets. Why do they call them major or minor? It does not mean that because they were more important, but because the major prophets, they wrote so many books. Their books are more voluminous. Minor prophets add smaller um, number of books and passages. So some of them are just three chapters, two chapters, um, as the case may be, but the major prophet, they, their prophecies span for a longer period of time. So they, they are major or minor prophets, not because of their importance. Number one, because of the volume of their prophecies. They are, you see that one, they are, one has more volume of the other. Number two, the length, the duration of their prophecy. And number three, um, I think those are the major three criteria you need to stay with. All right? The the duration, the span, they, they prophesy for a longer period of time. Number two, they, they add more volumes written. So don't think that maybe Isaiah is more important than Nahum. No, that's not the case. That's just a way of helping you understand them. So when you hear minor prophets, you don't expect to see 16 or 20-something chapters in the book of minor prophets. So the major prophets, um, they, they, they are like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all right? Then um, Daniel, you also have uh, some words of Joel. Then the, a lot of the minor, there are 12 minor prophets in the Bible, 12 minor books of the prophets. So there are Joel, Ozia, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Abakog, Zephaniah, Agai, Zechariah, and Malachi. These are 12 minor prophets. All right. And um, so the book of prophets, prophecy, what is the characteristics of a prophetic book? Number one, they, they talk about the Messiah. You see, it, it, it has a lot of warnings, judgment, repentance. Those are the themes. Prophecy, of the, uh, uh, prophecy about the Messiah, warnings, warnings of judgment, call to repentance. Those are the major attributes of prophetic books. So when you read Ezekiel, what are you expecting to see? You look out for anywhere you are looking for prophecy, um, um, things that talks about the Messiah more. 
you know that you have to look around in the prophetic um, book, um, the prophetic, um, the prophetic genres. All right. Um, so you see warnings of judgment, call to repentance, um, future events. They prophesy about things that are going to happen. So most of the time, for instance, now end time event like this. All right, you'll find them more in the prophetic genres. Okay, so I've given them to you. Then number four is the the law, um, the book of what, or what we call the book of the law. Other calls it Pentateuch, and another is Torah. All right, Torah. In fact, you hear Jesus mention: Is it not written in your in the law and the prophets? In the law and the prophets. In the law and the prophets. Jesus quotes them a lot in the law and the prophets. In fact, these are the, if you read through the New Testament, most of the quotes of Jesus are found in the law or the prophet. Those are Jesus' favorite quotes. Are always from those two genres. All right. So the genres we have Genesis. Uh, I said the the book of um, the law genre or Pentateuch or Torah. The Jews or Judaism calls it Torah. When you hear the word Torah. They are referring to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those are, they call it Pentateuch. You can call it the Pentateuch. You can call it Torah or you call it the law. The book of the law. Of course, you know what that means. If you want to see any, most of the commandment that God gave to the Jews, the foundation of the commandment, you go to the Torah. All right, any most of the commandment that guards and um, that guides the Jews or Judaism, they are all in the Torah, the Pentateuch, the Pentateuch as it may be, instructions on how to live according to God's law and the commandment of God, the do's and the don'ts, they are found in the Torah. Number five is the wisdom genre. Wisdom genre. The wisdom genre uh, includes book of Job. Then Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Job, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Now, this one contains practical advice and insights into the nature of God, the world, and human existence. It contains advice for living. It helps you understand the nature of God, the world, and human existence. That's why you hear um, things like vanity upon vanity. All is vanity. I went into the house of a, 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 rich, a, 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 rich, a rich poor man. He, by his wisdom, delivered the city, but yet no man talks about him. Then I look and say, the end of all things is vanity. All right. Now, beside the poetic passages that I, give it to you, that I gave earlier to you, in Proverbs, all right, then the rest are wisdom books. So you see, um, I advise you, if you really want to be better in life, read one, like this May that I've started, you can decide to read one chapter of Proverbs every day. Try it. You will see that by the end of the month, you have finished the book of Proverbs, which is 31 chapters. You will be wise, because that's why they call them wisdom books. It helps you get a lot of principles about life. If you are reading your Bible and you are, you are not started, you are not, you know, intentional in reading wisdom books, you will not really grow in the wisdom of God. Because wisdom books are there to give us practical wisdom. They are, they are eternal wisdom. So most Christians do not know the importance of Proverbs, all right, Ecclesiastes, and even the book of Job. You know, they, they are there to just help you. 
That's why they call them wisdom books. So when you want to know more about life, who to marry, or how to avoid fornication, why should you avoid fornication, you understand? Hey, if you are struggling with fornication, go to Proverbs. You will be delivered before you finish. Because even when he explains to you, most people, Christians who study, who have a lot of struggle with womanizing and um, fornication, is because you are not reading the book of Proverbs. Proverbs will deliver anybody any day from immorality. I'm telling you, if you read it, if you're, anytime you are struggling from, you are lost of, with a, for a girl, whatever, start with Proverbs. When you see what happens, I will to tell you, my son, do not follow a strange woman, for her path is the path of peace. You see, her lips are like honey. She can sweet talk you. She, she, her appearance is as this. You will by all means begin to see that girl differently. When you say, hey, baby. Hey. hey. Strange woman has come. You see, how do you know that? Proverbs will enlighten you. Praise God. All right. How many do we have now? So number one is what? Let's quickly go. Narratives. Narrative genres. And what are the narrative genres? Example. Characteristics of narrative genres are what? History. Historical accounts of events, places. History. So let me ask you, first king and second king, what genre of, the, of, of literature is that? First kings, second kings, first chronicle, second chronicle, first Samuel, second Samuel. Huh? Huh? What are these? Each three is narrative. It's narrative because it's just telling you historical account of events that took place over a period of time. But when you read, uh, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, uh, even if you don't understand where it is, when somebody asks you, what genre is that? What will you say? That's prophetic because it's telling you about, it's giving you prophetic words, right? But when you hear something like, my son, do not follow a strange woman. Oh, my son, wisdom is a principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. In all that getting, get understanding. Which genre is that? Wisdom. Because it's giving you wisdom for living. It's helping you to understand. Vanity upon vanity. All is vanity. Is that history? Is that history? Is it still applicable today? Is it still applicable today? No, you are not sure. Is it still applicable today? Yes, all is still vanity. When you accumulate all the car, the day the person dies, how many will he go with? No, he won't go with anyone. All right? So I'm trying to open your mind that even if you don't know the book, by the time you see the style, if you hear once upon a time, 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 what comes to your mind? Ah, narrative. Somebody wants to start a story. Right? So, you know that most of what you are going to have there is narrative account. So, now, so you understand now what all this does. Amen. So, now, then the, the yes, sir. Okay, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> narrative. It sounds narrative. Okay. Okay, thank you. 
Now, the question is asking that when you are looking at what narrative is right now, and you look at Genesis, why is it that is categorized under the law and we don't put it under narrative? Number one, because that Genesis actually is the first five books that God gave to Moses as a whole. So, so to, from Genesis to Deuteronomy, the author is Moses. Biblical scholars believe the author is Moses, so we stay with it. And it, it, so it was given together, written together under the law. Because you see, what Genesis does, even though it has narrative in it, it does not mean when we say narrative, for instance, now just like I explained to you now in Proverbs, that you see poetic there, you see wisdom there. So everything there is now, is, you cannot see historical account. Because even when you read Exodus, you see historical account of how they came out for it. But also there, you see, in narrative, that is where you see the fundamentals of the Jewish faith. No, sorry, in Pentateuch. That is where the fundamental of the Jewish faith is. The dealings of God with his people and the formation of those fundamental things that has to do with the, um, the faith of the Jews. They're all in that account. And Moses is a great prophet. So it is all grouped there. Now, because if you also check in, um, in that account, you will see, for instance now, Genesis 49, where Jacob began to bless his children. That those blessings today, those blessings he gave, they are still things that are to form the 12 tribes later on. And where the law of God also came, where the Bible... So if you don't understand where those... Where God said, okay, move, he's sending 12 spies. You will not know where does that, those 12 spies, where did they came from? Genesis will tell you the origin of those 12 spies. So Genesis is both narrative, but is grouped under the law. Because there you still find the commandment of God for the... For his people there. Alright. Okay. It's like when you also look at um, the account of Jesus. You still find a lot of other things that are not just history. That, that, are etern that have eternal principle as to us. When he said for instance now. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your soul. With all your mind. You understand. So even though we say okay. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. They are part of the narrative. But does it mean that it doesn't still contain instruction, commandment for us? But we just, what the authors of the Bible does is to look at the prevalent literature style. Because everyone has to belong to a group and they use it. But it does not mean that you can't find wisdom there too. So it does not mean that when you only go to Proverbs to find wisdom. But in Mark, you can't find wisdom. Every book of the Bible has the wisdom of God for us. But it's just the style of writing that we are talking about. Don't take it beyond that style. Is the style of the writing, the literature type, that we, not the eternal principles that backs it up. I hope it is clear. All right. So, uh, number what do we have? Ep so, the final one is episodes. Episodes. Which are now, episodes are called letters. Letters. When anywhere you hear episode, it means letter. And so it was letters that were written by the early church fathers. There are letters that were written to early church fathers. By early church fathers, I mean. That's why they, so another word for epistles are letters. All right? So when you have the epistles, for instance, now, um, some of them are, are written by Paul, Peter, James, and John. All right? So these letters contain teaching, instructions, and encouragement for the early churches. 
They contain teachings, instructions, encouragement for the early churches. So now let me say, let me give you how to understand what an episode is. Episodes are pastoral letters in a certain sense. As a pastor of this church, I can decide that the, the messages I preach are episodes. So I write letters to you. Maybe all of you, I'm, I'm away now. So I'm writing letters to all of you and say, oh, uh, my people, God bless you. All right. Now, um, I want you to know that I will soon be with you. But in the meantime, receive from your choir leader. is good. is that. And th there are letters that contains instructions, teachings, and things like that. Now, um, let me just tell you something about Paul epistles. Anytime you are reading Paul's epistles, if you don't want to be, if you don't want to be misled, he's either is writing a letter, all right, to encourage the church that he has started, or is writing a response to the letter that they have written to him concerning some issues and challenges that they are going through. Please take note of that. So the letters of Paul, epistles of Paul, are often what is writing to the church he has just started or he has founded or their response to the letters that have been written to him before. So what does this mean? If you have this in mind, if you read the book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and some of those things, you will hear Paul use the Greek word peride. He said, concerning what you said. For instance, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, everybody. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I just want to show you before you break into your groups. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at the opening of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. What is the first line? Verse 1. No, no. Give me to look at it. KJV. Now, concerning spiritual gift, what does that tell you? It tells you that he's responding to something. He's responding to something. So you will see that if you read First Corinthians chapter twelve, all right, and all you go to, let's just say, go to First Corinthians seven. Let me just give another instance. I hope is um. 1 Corinthians 7. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 1, guys. Go to the intro. If I tell you to do a study of 1 Corinthians 7, from verse 1 to the end, you will be able to see that every time in, in this place, I will, maybe next week we are going to do that, but take note of this. You will be able to see different subjects it was addressing. Then it will tell you that They've sent a letter ahead and is not responding. So you see here again, this is very common. G Greek calls it peride. P-E-R, then D-E. Peride. Now, concerning, do you see the difference between, do you see the similarity between verse 12 and uh, chapter 7, chapter 12? And you will see it more in Paul's teaching. Now, concerning, now, concerning this, now, concerning that. He was addressing issue. So when you ask that in mind, as you are reading, then you ask yourself, what is it that is actually 
addresses. For instance, now you will see that now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me. But it's not every time you will say this that you wrote unto me. Sometimes you just say, now concerning this. Concerning this, it is a good, it, it, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Now, you may want to touch. So does that mean that we should not even shake a woman at all? You need to understand what he's saying. So as we go on in this Bible study um, um, lessons, which is equipping you to be a student of the Bible, is a skill that is not negotiable for every child of God. That is why I decided, let's go back to the basics of what it means to study the Bible because it is one thing that is now lacking into this church or amongst, not, not to this church, I should say, but it's lacking majorly among us as believers. Let me use this more subtle word and not sound too proud. All right? So tonight, I hope you have, so you now know the six genres of the Bible. I hope, hope you understood it, right? So when you pick up a Bible passage reading, ask yourself, what do you want to know? Is it historical? Is it wisdom? Is it poetic? Is it, what are the other ones? Check, check, check for me. Poetic, yes. Wisdom, I've mentioned wisdom. Prophetic, yes. Narrative, and what? Episodes. All right. Oh, you will not clap for the Lord. All right. So, tonight we'll conclude the session of the teaching on angels. Okay. Remember, we started last week. And you've, you've done your study on, from the, in the book of Acts. Now you are going to conclude today. All right. Um, now I'm saying add the book of Matthew. Use your concordance. All right. And um, you know the four steps to topical Bible study. If the person that just came missed it, all you need to do is to tell them these are the four steps you are using. And we are going to summarize. So, so we are going to come up with principles that, about what angels represent. What, who are angels? What do they represent? Just using the scripture. So you say, based on this scripture, it means angels are X, Y, Z. Based on this scripture, it means that angels can do this. Based on this scripture, it means angels can do that. Based on this scripture, it means angels have these attributes. Based on this scripture, that's how to summarize it. So you group all of them. So you come up with everything about angels in summary. All right. So there are more subtle details in Matthew that will complement what you have done or you did last week in the book of Acts, all right? Then I know that when somebody then comes tomorrow and tell you, in only Michael, only Ariel, only this, oh, come down. You say, no, it's not, there's no way in the Bible that the Bible says we should do this to angels. You, I don't need to be there. You yourself, you are equipped and you know it. That is what it means to be a student of the word of God. Amen. Put your hands together for the Lord Jesus one more time.